of a musical mindset where we take a deep dive into the creative process of making music. And Subes, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about modern music and Boomer Beato. Coming in hot <laughs> with, no. with, with the Boomer, boomer text. No uh, mercy. So, you know so, what, though? Uh <laughs> I feel like he actually plays into the fact that he's a boomer sometimes. Like, For sure. I don't think he's ignorant to the fact that, like, I don't know if you saw that mm. one. Um, what was it? It was like um, Tim Henson. It was like, you bend like yep, a boomer. The, and he was the like, boomer bend, yeah. Yeah, and he was like guilty. And I was like, okay, so he's not completely not aware mm. of the fact that his takes are very boomerish. But Sure. Um, and, and I think just even how large his fan base is on YouTube, like one of at least for the channels I follow for like that type of content, the sort of edutainment slash slightly video essay concentrated thing. Like he is one of by far the biggest version of that. And he covers like everything between like theory and production and like casts a really wide net. So I think he's kind of the catch all. So I think his like people who watch his, especially the type of music he usually spends time talking about is typically people around his age more than, more than anything else. Yeah. And you know what? Like I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about you know, his content in regards to how much of it is like really useful, awesome content versus how much of it is kind of just like clickbaity, like, Oh, here's my mm. opinion. And it's, you know, treating it as if it's a fact and all my followers are going to now comment and be like, yeah, man, this shit's garbage. Uh, yeah. And, and like, I do think, and I do think that that stuff is like the, the clickbaity thing is so, so real because like, if you actually watch one of those videos, like it's not as cut and dried as like the thumbnail and the descriptor. Like there's definitely one. It's like listening to viral TikTok music. We're all doomed. It's like, okay, like that is very clearly making a statement of value. But then when you watch it, then he's like occasionally not, not as cut and dried about it. But yeah, like, and I think he, he's just a good representative of just like his ethos and approach just clearly isn't, you know, like this era of music like and, and even just when he was doing like the bulk of his producing and engineering work being like the 90s into the early aughts it kind of makes sense so I think he's kind of just like a hardliner in some ways that other people aren't when they just like grew up with that other types of music especially music that didn't revolve around like live musicians like guitar bass keys drums type of stuff like that that isn't necessarily the default basis for every type of music so yeah i i think it's an interesting span because i think on the i think that they share some similarities but one thing i appreciate about someone like adam neely is that as opposed to most of the videos where i watch rick beato like adam neely i feel like he's very careful and very researched about the things he talks about so like if he's making a statement or a point you can tell he's like really thought about it from every angle whereas rick beato will totally just like hop on a live stream and be like isn't this shit like like or he'll play a song from the 70s and be like oh man like this is when music was good this is what's up and i'm like all right this is just like almost just kind of reactive like like he would he thought about it like for 30 seconds and then he was like yeah i should i should dunk on four chord songs on tiktok it's like yeah we know dude like like there's nothing of real value here yeah and i i actually i mean i should preface this by saying i actually do enjoy a most of rick beato stuff like i feel like mm -hmm. i'm like kind of roasting right now but i i totally watch and very much enjoy most of his work, especially when it comes to the more theoretical stuff and, and even the stuff where, he, mm -hmm. you know, he goes behind the scenes and talks about like the way something was recorded or trying to recreate like, you know, sounds from records. Like I find that stuff extremely mm -hmm. interesting. Um, it's just which it's, I feel like he's done less of that lately, too. Like, I feel like there was a period outside of like what makes the song great. I feel like there's been a lot less of that thing because I do think that thing is like almost more niche. It's like more specific to like musicians who watch his channel. But his channel is big enough. A lot of it is just like music fans not who are not necessarily as interested in the theoretical concept player stuff. Or at least that stuff I feel like has gotten much more short form, like his TikTok videos. But yeah, I feel like he's been doing less of like the thing that you're talking about, which I also really like that he does. I feel like that's become sort of a smaller portion over time. And it's been more like interview format or like, you know, video essay of like his opinion on something. Yeah. Um, and I would say, too, you know, he's definitely going for a very wide audience, which is, I think, why his channel has been so huge is because, you know, he'll do top 25 guitar solos of all time. And of course, they're 
mostly, if not all, you know, classic rock or like all that stuff. So mm. it's kind of like expected oh, yeah. to a certain degree. Um, or, you know, it sometimes gets into the jazz realm too, which I think is, is cool that he doesn't always go for like, you know, the most obvious popular guitar solos ever. Um, mm. But um, I would say I kind of wanted to use, you know, some of that stuff Rick talks about when it comes to like the, the more modern music with like, you know, four chord whatever as kind of like a conduit to have a you know kind of a deeper conversation about people's you know kind of I would say more so like elitist opinions when it comes to like popular music and like what Mm -hmm. like what's good and what's what's bad and I think something that's interesting and I'd like to hear if you agree with this is I heard someone the other day talking about how the reason people you know aren't always as fond of like new music is because they associate the older music, especially the older you get, the more you associate the old music with like your identity when like, new music is coming mm-hmm. out and it's popular and your music isn't anymore. It's kind of like an attack. The culture is almost like attacking your identity. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I, I've, I feel like that's most of it. But at the same time, people do so very often bust on four chord songs or even if it's like, like even in that uh, video Rick posted, he was like, he was like, yeah, there's like, you know, one, um, you know, like, uh, I forget what the chord was. I can't even remember at this point. He was, it was like one chord that was like, you know, non-diatonic. And I was like, mm. so for a pop song, that's pretty damn good. Like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> like usually most I mean, pop- it was probably a minor four or a flat seven, but still. <laughs> yeah. Or like, a, I, no, 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 I remember what it was. It was a secondary dominant. It was like, oh, here's oh, like, nice. he's using like one secondary dominant. It was like the, uh, dominant three chord I think going back to like the minor chord or whatever mm-hmm. but it's like you know that's a pretty yep. common sound but at the same time mm-hmm. um yeah I'm like all right well that's pretty good for a pop song like if a pop mm-hmm. song has anything that's non-diatonic it's like okay this is like you know because I don't think that's the point and I feel like that's you know mm-hmm. it, it, and also I, I would argue you know with someone like Rick where it's like hey like Free falling is literally three diatonic chords the entire oh, yeah. time with no variation whatsoever. Is that a terrible I'm sure he song? Loves free falling. <laughs> is that a terrible song? Like, is that are we doomed because free falling <laughs> has, has three chords? Listening to Tom Petty's discography, we're doomed. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and I, I think you're right on the money because I think there's something very tribalistic about it, and I think it's even, especially as we talk generation generationally, because I, I feel like even I'm starting to float into this. Although I do think I listen to like a lot more new music than most people my age, just by virtue of the type of work I do and the you know the things that I like about modern music that are not necessarily just song writing stuff. You know, a lot of it's production, but but yeah, like I think it's it's also like if you ask anybody what they're like favorite time period of SNL is it's going to be like when they were like 15 through 19 like because that's when it's like means something to you to watch that and it's like a reflection of current events so like everybody's like oh man it was so much better when 10 years ago when I was whatever and when I'm sure when that stuff was coming out people from 10 years before that were like no man this isn't good late 80s like like that's just always the case like or even the idea of um people being like super specific about like certain era of gear or whatever. Like a lot of it is just like association more than it is. Like if you sat down and and, like really compared apples to oranges that you would be like, everything is better completely. It's just like, Oh, I feel way more attached to this thing. And therefore I perceive that as the better thing. Cause I mean, one of the things that I, I think I was like that a long time with pop music, at least in terms of like, oh, this isn't for me, therefore I don't care about it, where I still kind of feel like pop music isn't for me. Like, it's it's obviously meant to be mass market, and it's meant to be as broad as possible. So I think the appreciation for me came from not the idea of, like, oh, how well can they make a song for me with my individual taste, but, like, the absolute challenge and, like, high level of work you need to do to make a song that, like, communicates and works, like, for everyone and can like chart really high and like basically remove every barrier of entry and just you know boil down everything to its most effective simplistic form is like oh people aren't doing this because it's really easy people are doing this because it's really hard to make like the perfect pop song that's you know like maybe at this point now less than three minutes with a great hook and a feature and that flatters the artist and the production is cool and like 
everything is to a technical standard. Like, like there's a lot in there that is like requires a lot of sustained attention and focus and care and craft. So just to hear a song be like, there aren't more than these four chords. It's like, okay, like, again, that's not the point. Like, and that's kind of the sonic palette right now, which I think will continue to ebb and flow as we've seen with some of like the Neo soul stuff. Like there is totally stuff that isn't that, that is still like, very liked and pretty catchy it was just not going to be like on the billboard top 20 because that is meant to be like and i don't use this as a derogative like it's meant to be lowest common denominator music where it doesn't want to turn people away by doing something that they won't like so it's going to be yes very safe but it's also going to be very effective because it can't not be it just has to be like the simplest rudiment of the thing is trying to accomplish and needs to accomplish it very quickly in a way that that within 30 seconds you can tell that you like the song and you know what it's trying to accomplish and that you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, totally. And you know what? I'd almost like like say I would like to see someone with a platform like Adam Neely or Rick Beato instead of, you know, roasting some of the more modern songs or just, you know, having these takes where it's like, oh, you know, it's only this. It's I would like to see them say, hey, or just look into it and be like, I wonder why these songs are as popular as they are. Like, let's see if we can actually Mm. dissect them to a certain degree. Because it's like, yeah, if you just approach them from like, oh, it's just these chords, then it's like, well, obviously it's not just those chords because literally the entire world is obsessed with this song. So there's something more to it than just those chords. And like, I think that's something that's so interesting because you brought up a good point. It's like, it's actually the more you limit yourself as to what you're able to do and the, the broader the market the harder it is to actually make a product that is like stands out because it's like, Hey, you need to make something that stands out, but also it has basically almost infinite limitations as far as what you can do. Mm-hmm. And like, you can only go so far out of any of those spectrums before it becomes not in that category anymore. So mm-hmm. I think it'd be super interesting to have people like, you know, Adam Neely, Rick Beato and any of those people. And as much as I, you know, being a musician appreciate, you know, the more, looking into like, oh, like really complicated things or like, you know, looking into that stuff and appreciating that for what it is. There's something definitely to be said that, hey, you know, it's just like the same thing as like if a movie gets popular, it's like, you know, you could just say, oh, like, you know, it's just the same storyline. It's, it's the hero. Same versus, three act structure. Yeah. It's, it's the hero versus the villain. Here's the, you know, the, or, uh-huh. you know, the same, the, the archetypal themes are so similar to each other, but it's like, but this one did it particularly well. And like, you know, if you really Mm. looked into it enough, you could probably find something that, you know, is distinctive in some way, shape or form, whether it be the way the melody shaped around the chords, the phrasing of the rhythm of the the melody, the production. I mean, I feel like nowadays that's honestly like the biggest thing now is like, Oh, the the production is like, it has to be a certain, maybe it doesn't have to be like the best thing ever, but it definitely has to be the soundscape has to be like relatively interesting. Mm. Or else I feel like it's just not going to hit the same. And, and as we mentioned before, even the idea of like the production sonics of something, so like ignoring melody and song or anything, just the sonics of it, if you get that wrong, like it fails to be the genre it was in. I think we were saying like, oh, if you take a trap song and you replace all like the 808s and skittering hi-hats with like a real kit, even if it's doing what essentially is the same, you know, the same version of that, but just with a naturalistic sound, it's now a different genre. Like it, it fails to be that thing and that thing that, you know, is very popular and has stuck around and obviously can chart pretty easily like it fails to be that thing sonically speaking so like basically even before you get to the performances and the songwriting there's there's sort of a tell there that it's like hey this isn't going to be as competitive in this market because it's not doing the thing it needs to do it's now added a barrier of entry before anything else happens that some people just aren't going to enjoy it in the same way that they enjoy the stuff that adheres to the genre much better and i really like the the film metaphor you made because i I think it's almost especially when it gets conceptual it's almost easier to talk about music in metaphor like i've also like heard a lot of people particularly mixing like cooking metaphors become like very (laughs) relatable when it comes to mixing but yeah like i can't imagine and i actually do watch a ton of um video essay and criticism of film on YouTube because I do find it very interesting, partly because I know so little about film and and have no like ability to make film, but I love movies. So like the idea of learning more about the process is really interesting to me. And like learning the critique of like the way that people who know a lot about film think about film is different in the same ways that people who know a lot about music or producing music 
think about music differently. So yeah, the idea of like ragging on a movie because it has a traditional three act structure, like never happens. Cause there's this understanding of like, Oh, like not every movie follows this. Like I like weird sort of experimental indie movies that, you know, kind of break the mold. But the idea is like, yeah, like there's every reason to adhere to this, you know, very classic structure because this is like, inherent to the form of storytelling the same way like the same way that it'd be dumb to rag on a pop song to be like oh yeah it had a chorus like of course it had a chorus like why would it not have a chorus like you're not bigger and better than choruses chorus everybody wants a chorus like yeah so like the idea that like the structural approach itself is the problem where it's like i agree a four chord song could be deadly boring have no momentum be like super uninteresting not enough differentiation differentiation between sections but it doesn't have to be like there's lots of four chord songs hell there's lots of two chord songs or one chord songs that are super exciting like if you think about uptown funk i've never i've never started uptown funk or had been playing and then was tired of it by the end like it just has so much energy and momentum and charisma and that's two chords the whole time clearly the point is not a really interesting harmonic palette that is not at all the point. So the idea of like, oh man, Uptown Funk would be so good if everything was, you know, like a borrowed chord or a tritone sub. It's like, no, it might kind of ruin it, honestly. Like it would be like a hipper, cooler song, but it wouldn't be a better song. It wouldn't be better at accomplishing the thing it wants to accomplish, which is does not necessitate more chords. More chords is not better music. More chords is a more palette for if that's something you want to pull from in that scenario would actually make it worse. Oh my God. Yeah, dude. And that's, um, that's a really good point. And actually, I think um, Jacob Collier said this, which is funny considering how many <laughs> chords he uses. Um, I'm ready for the irony of this statement. The irony of the statement. Well, well, it's not even, I guess, necessarily irony as, as it is. He was basically saying, you know, the more chords you have or the more notes you have, the more responsibility you have. So it's like, you know, and of course, you know, that's funny coming from him considering that, you know, he has chords that have like every note in it, literally. Um, <laughs> I, I was just he about just to say, takes on the responsibility of the mind. entire world. Because um, <laughs> he uh, might be the best example of like being irresponsible of like more chords does not mean, and I've, I've made this complaint before that like I think sometimes the thing that Jacob Collier songs are missing, both lyrically, but like the idea of like grounding the emotion in terms of like, serving the song through restraint is something I do not think he's like almost never capable of. So I do think that he, it's that statement is sort of wrong because there are times where I'm like, Oh, this is like really lovely. And I'm super invested. And it's like, what about this chord? I'm like, now I'm thinking about the chord and not the song. Like, like, like it's definitely an approach, but yeah, he's one that I would say is occasionally quite irresponsible with, with, uh, with his use of chords. Yeah. And I guess, you know, all I have to say, like, the more, yeah, the more, you know, crazy chords, especially in a pop setting, it's like, dude, the, the amount of things you can get away with realistically is like so small. And like, even when the people do get away with that, that kind of stuff, like, um, I'm trying to think of, um, there was like just a recent pop song that people were, you know, going off about on YouTube that was uh, basically, it was like in mid mixly in flat six or something. Um, oh, it's Lizzo. Um, uh, rumors Lizzo right 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 yeah so mm -hmm. that's something where it's so rare that when it happens everyone's like oh mm. my god like it did a thing that's like not the normal thing like <laughs> it it's like a huge big deal in the music theory community it's like mm. holy crap like they did it they they broke them all but it's like you know like that mm. just goes to show how hard it actually is because like stuff mm. like that doesn't happen all the time it rarely happens ever I, I can barely think of um, like, and I'm talking like super, super popular songs. Of course there's like, if you dig deep enough in any, you know, pop genre, you could probably find songs that do that, but something that really makes it, you know, that, that goes out of that box. I, I feel like that's, yeah, like we were saying, that's not really the, the point. And, you know, when you do do something like that, you know, you, it's not because, oh, doing this is going to make the song better. It's because, oh, actually the song has this feeling and like, you know, this is what gives it the feeling, not, you know, mm -hmm. oh, it'll somehow be better if it's, you know, more, like more is better. And I, I thought too, that's something mm -hmm. that I wish I learned earlier too. Like, I don't know, as a musician, <laughs> because, um, not, mm -hmm. not to, you know, bust on myself or, or anything or anyone else for that matter. Um, but I feel like it's just something where I didn't appreciate the, just being able to do something simple very well versus mm -hmm. being able to just accomplish really complicated things. Cause in retrospect, I wish looking back on 
like I get, I feel stronger and stronger about this. The more, the older I get where I'm like, I really wish I could do all the simple things like at like the highest level possible rather Mm. than like some of the more complicated things at like a very mediocre level. It's like, you know, I I can do cover this song and I can, you know, solo over giant steps or whatever I can. It's like, you know, I can do that very, very mediocrely or I could have spent all those hours like honing in like the best foundations. Yeah. Yeah. Like the best groove Mm -hmm. I could possibly get, you know, really focus in on that stuff. And I feel like that's kind of where the musicians who play on these pop records and like, you know, the people who really Mm. can make a career out and, you know, even like the mix engineers, if they're following a relatively, you know, similar formula for, you know, the production being like, okay, it has to be like in this, you know, relative vein or else it's not Mm. going to do what it needs to. Like that's so much, especially, especially if you're trying to have a career in music, that's so much more like useful. Mm. And unless you're literally like, Tosin Abasi or Jacob Collier and you're just like literally the best person at what you do. Sure. Yeah. And I was going to say, yeah, because there is a whole thing about like the self-styled where it's like almost the music they make in the genre they're in. And you can say this about a couple like pioneering artists that like they kind of made their own path as far as like, I'm going to, I feel so strongly about the thing that I want to do that even if it's like doesn't have a place yet, even if it's not popular, I want to spend 10 years just pushing this thing that I feel really passionately about. And that's like my thing. But, but I agree. And we even talked about this er- earlier in terms of like what to focus on. If like you're just getting paid to do music, a lot of it is going to be like, how can I write the simplest, most effective melody that works the best? And not like, oh, how many notes can I play per second? Like n- most times people don't care about that. Like guitarists care about that. But people who are like in charge of a song, like an MD or a songwriter, like that's almost never going to be even part of the conversation is like that tech the technical approach it's just like here's what i want to accomplish and, and figure it out from there because yeah like I, and i think the things i get really excited about even in terms of just like writing or playing like obviously i like writing and i like the chords but as far as like being a guitar player the stuff i like is that like middle ground between like it's not quite a rhythm part it's not quite a lead part and it's typically like can happen when a vocal is happening but just like just something inside there that retains some like really aural interest without being overwhelming. Like I get so excited about that and there's so much room for production in those things in terms of like, how do you do a really good layer that is like basically feels like it's like enhancing the song. Like one of the, one of the things that I've really appreciated about queen and and this isn't my opinion, it was somebody else's that I, I globbed onto is the idea that like, like whatever like the feeling or like the essence of a queen song is like somebody to love for instance like the vocal is fully committed to what that thing is and then when the guitar solo happens somehow even the guitar solo song within a song the guitar feels even more indebted to the idea of that song like in somebody to love like i find the guitar solo to be every bit as emotional and vocal as the lead vocal is and i think that's like really commendable as far as like what we're talking about serving a song versus something else like the idea that anything you do to the song is just an extension of really doubling down on how you want the song to feel for somebody else and how you from your position of putting it together need to kind of anticipate what you need to do to to accomplish that to really communicate what you want to communicate so yeah i i would agree the the whole idea of like how can i be not like a good player, not like a technical player, but like how can I be musical in a way that like my purpose here enhances everything around it as opposed to like distracts away from it or like makes it about myself or like hurts the song because I want to do this thing even if it's not totally appropriate. Like like that's the stuff. The earlier you can get that out of you, the, your system, the better because like that's where the really exciting stuff happens and maybe not the showiest stuff and maybe not like the stuff that like, yeah, is, is the most impressive, but like the meaningful work of like, doing what the song wants and needs or even just appreciating hearing that in something you didn't work on like that's where like the real service of having a musical ear comes in as as far as like making things better never making things worse that it should be a low bar but it it can be extremely aspirational and like hard to attain uh, depending on what the work is because yeah that that is actually the thing it's like the only thing so therefore it is very challenging yeah, dude. And what you were saying about, you know, creating, you know, a part that kind of like lives on its own, but also serves the song, but it's, you know, a recognizable entity in itself. Like, um, I would also say that like going that direction too is the more in like, you know, separate it is, or like, you know, the more distinguishable it is like the also just like, you know, the more chords or the more complex, like the more responsibility you have to just make that thing exactly fitting too. Cause it's like, 
mm-hmm. you know, and I would say to hold yourself to a certain standard of like, okay, no matter how complicated or like busy this part is going to be, um, if it's going to be this much more busy, it has to fit that much more perfectly and it has to mm-hmm. accomplish, mm-hmm. you know, this much more, like the responsibility automatically goes up with how many more notes you're willing to add. And like, you know, you should be able to do that exact thing just as well as you'd be able to do the most simple thing possible to fill it out. And it's like anything that breaks that boundary of like, Oh, I'm going to add this much more. Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm like barely surviving is just kind of like, okay, like that's definitely (laughs) maybe don't pretty noticeable. (laughs) And also like, I feel like I'm kind of guilty in that regard. Um, (laughs) um, so definitely, especially I would say like going back into like my more earlier years of playing guitar, like I was constantly Mm -hmm. and to a certain degree, I'm still like trying to like, you know, make things that are a challenge and fun for me to play. But at the same time I do realize that like, I'm like, yeah, this was a, maybe a bit much for serving certain <laughs> things overkill. Yeah. yeah. Well, it all depends on the context mm. or in like, you know, with the genre and style and all mm. that stuff. But yeah, I just think that's like a, that is a topic that also like I, going back to the whole, you know, we kind of tread a little bit off from the, the Rick Beato, Adam Ely thing, but I also wish that's something that, um, Rick would address almost like, and, and not to say that I always want everyone to be super positive about certain things, but it's like, <laughs> There are obviously good things to be said about songs that are like, you know, like mm-hmm. there has to be something good. It doesn't have to be, but there most likely is something mm-hmm. really good about a song that is like hitting really well with everyone, not in a meme way where it's like, oh, it's terrible mm-hmm. and it's a meme, but like genuinely popular. Like there has to be something about that right. that's gripping and it has to do something mm-hmm. very simple so tightly and so well and so fitting mm-hmm. that it just connects with everyone. And it's like that is something again right that it is like if you can hone that down like then you're good like if you can have the mm. skill set to like understand what there are very few people i i know that can like mm. you know just be like oh here's a thing that's so simple but it's so effective like it's just it's nothing mm. crazy but it's just like the most catchy also really interesting also like just hits all the the nails on the head and like i feel like that's just you know something that i wish those guys would kind of look at instead of, you know, just Mm -hmm. (laughs) doing the boomer, the boomer take of like, Oh yeah. this stuff. And and I do think, I do think Adam Neely is is a lot less guilty of that. I mean, like first just that I think he's a little bit more careful in research and also just that he is in a, a really hit band pushing the boundaries and be like, is happy to like interpolate. Like, I don't know if you've seen the live stuff of Sun Gazer playing and then it's like castaways over like the bridge or something. It's like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah, like, like he at least be tongue in cheek about it. Cause he is like making music that is in the extremes. Like it makes sense that like his, his conceptual stuff is so much more focused on like, I don't know if you watch the videos about threshold, but, but about like, Oh, how can we understand how humans experience music and how can we kind of game that as part of a song that is sort of an experiment in that, like the conceptual way that we built around it is the song, like is the foundation of how and why the song exists, I think is very interesting. Uh, but all that to say, yeah, like, cause I think what you're talking about is an even more interesting conversation than just like, Hey, this song got extremely popular, even though it has very little going for it. Cause there is, and, and I do think it, it honestly is just about, you know, like, trends coming back and forth over time but yeah there is definitely some trap stuff where it's like one rhythmic beat on a loop there's not really any harmonic content in terms of like a chord structure or sequence or even like a really key center and there's just kind of a repetitious beat going and then it's in that scenario it's like okay it's not about those things it's about the lyrics and the flow like and that is the thing to focus on but that is you know a smaller amount of things to talk about do you know the song uh, kiss me more by um i think it's doja cat and SZA? I, I did I come out pretty recently? Um, relatively recently, yeah. I want to say like maybe um, around the same time as that Lizzo song. But but either okay. of those great example of like of like hey, this song fundamentally works. Like these songs are popular. They're not a niche thing. They are a very large market, uh, trending, popular, charting songs. But also if, if you get a musician to listen to them, like we said, the Mixolydian Flat Six thing or the Doja Cat thing is just a really great example of like kind of the Cali Ukes, Tyler the Creator thing, where it's like kind of like a modern hip hop R and B thing, but like there's some cool non-diatonicism, slight neo soul stuff. There's lots of pretty like clean electric guitar stuff, but it is just perfectly produced and it is just 
excellently performed and just uber catchy and just everything about it works on both levels of like this is a super viable commercial track but there is like so much obvious craft on every level like I said like sometimes the Jafogus is like hey it's a future song so all you care about is I guess what future's doing <laughs> like as opposed to like oh wow like the bass and the drums are like have so much character and so specific and there's this filtering going on and then the progression is interesting the way the melody works over it and all these things and things that are very stylistic to the singers and the feature says it's like oh yeah that sounds very different in terms of how she's approaching you know what intervallic notes she hangs on on the chord it has its own style to it even though it's still a sung feature on a sung song um so yeah like that that stuff i think is even more and i think definitely doubles down on what i was saying the idea that like people don't make pop music because it's easy people make pop music because it's hard <laughs> like 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 and i think this is a recent transition especially going through the berkeley program just just more appreciation of like the idea is like there's so many things to balance outside of like i want a great song like everybody wants to write a great song whatever it is but it's in this very limited amount of genres and it's in this very limited part of that genre where it has to sound basically of its time like it can't date itself to sound five years old and it can't but it can't be like too new and too groundbreaking because then it just stops being the thing like we said like even on an asonics aesthetic level like has to be careful that it doesn't that it isn't too cool and too weird because like i mean some of that stuff does get popular but like there aren't any 100 gex songs like trending in the charts it's not like yeah even stuff that you could say like oh this is hip-hop or like oh this is pop or like even the hyper pop stuff that really isn't like mainstream even though it is like very popular um I mean, I guess K-pop is just as poppy production-wise as American pop is. So just, yeah, just the idea that, like, you're talking about more things instead of less, because like you said, the idea is if, like, the chords are doing less, you still need to have interest, you still need to have craft, but now, yeah, everything becomes that much more important because you can't rely on, like, oh, yeah, like, and I think I mentioned this last time about our own writing, like, just my personal interest in my songs, like, I almost compulsively feel the need to modulate as a way to have an emotional reaction to are things getting brighter? Are things getting darker? Where are we going now? How does it relate to where we've been? The idea of you take that out, like that's not really an option. Like there are some songs that have like, not even, I wouldn't call them modulation. I'd say it's a key change. Like here we are. And now we're a whole step higher. Same thing. Like that happens sometimes, but it's a very specific effect. But yeah, the idea is basically you're taking options away from you as a producer and a songwriter. So everything, like you said, becomes that much more important to be perfect. And something that I, I I think Rusty Banks was a preacher of this that I think is really, really accurate where it's like almost doesn't matter whether you're talking about like pop music like music as a product or music as like an art like music that either asks a question or makes a statement like pop music isn't asking the same amount of us it doesn't want to be like impenetrable and and weird and need to be listened to five times to get it like if you listen to a pop song and you and at the end you don't remember what the chorus is it has failed as a pop song like it is not a good pop song so the idea there that like if you do something that is that is actively against the idea of what is the simplest way to communicate what you want to communicate to the listener you have to be so certain of it and it has to work so well the the feeling that it feels inevitable like a minor chord or something where it's just like oh the way that this phrase ends this bridge or whatever and it ends on this really sad sentiment and the four major goes to the four minor it's like oh that just feels right the idea that if you did something else there it would feel wrong because it no longer feels the like the inevitability of that moment called for the thing that you did so i think really the 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 thing that i'm saying is like the idea of like there are all these tools but like you have to let the song motivate what choices you make not just making these choices because you like the way that they sound but making them based on what the song needs so if the formative reason the song exists and let's be honest a lot of pop music exists to move money around like like it, there's art and there's craftsmanship in there but like really it's a product it needs to you know it needs to have this many streams and it needs to do this well and show up on these things like it has these very specific commercial goals so the idea that if the art reflects that you're not going to make unmotivated choices to unnecessarily create barriers of entry to people who might like the song but not if you do x y and z that once they listen to it once they either don't come back to it or they just hear something they don't like or it just doesn't grab them in the first 11 seconds like even the idea of like oh yeah we're hearing so many more songs where the hook starts the song as opposed to like okay here's an intro and here's v1 and here's v1b and here's a pre-chorus and now a minute and a half in here's the chorus it's like maybe you lost everybody like maybe everybody jumped to another station so it's like okay if the hook is the strongest part of the song which it damn well better be we need to do it as the first thing and maybe the song ends before you feel like you've gotten all of the hook that you want so then you want to play it again like Lil Nas X that 
Old Town Road song is so short. It's so short. Like if it automatically repeats itself, you don't even notice because you're like, oh yeah, I I expected there to be more, right? So the idea of like, yeah, that song is absolutely gaming all of these ideas. So even the idea of that song being barely over two minutes, if somebody spends an hour listening to that song, they'll be have you know that twice as many streams as if they spent the same amount of time listening to that song and it was four minutes long. Like like these are all decisions motivated by like the commerciality is the thing. So all this to say, like, that's way more things to think about than like, I want to write a good song. Like everybody wants to write a good song, but it's so much more challenging to write a good song with all of these other things you need to accomplish or all of these limitations of things you can't do. Or if you do them, they need to be like so perfect that when you hear it, it it's not like, oh, that's weird. When you hear it, it's like, that's the only thing it could have been because that is exactly what needed to happen in that moment. And that is so many more things to think about than just, I want to write a good song. Yeah, yeah, dude. Um, and going off of that too, I feel like when you see artists who kind of nail the commerciality aspect of it, um, along with the artistic portion of it too, where it's like you know they're doing it. Hey, maybe they're doing it to get popular, to make money, but also they're adding in this like, but I really want to put my heart and soul into this project. Like, like artists who kind of break the mold a little bit, like like Billie Eilish, for example. It's like. Well, you know, her music all has super commercial appeal, but also at the same time, she's just kind of like, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want and do my own artsy thing. But within this kind of like these boundaries, I guess. And I feel like those are the artists that, you know, from whatever era, you know, this era of music, we're going to remember 10 or 20 years down the line because they did that thing super well. But they also added their own, you know, customized like, you know, aesthetic and kind of artsiness to it because um i think that you know even in the the pop music world kind of has like a very niche thing that it does but at the same time you know any song that is in it just to kind of be popular in that moment will probably i mean not probably like most of the time fizzes out within like even a month sometimes it's like this song is the thing it's awesome and then like you're like yeah, what song was that again? I, like, I don't even know. Like, it's gone <laughs> because there's 10 other songs that are, you know, now the yep. thing. Um, but, you know, I, that's what I, you know, really when you think about, like, I guess, like long term success when it comes to that stuff, too. It's like it's stuff that does that well, but also adds its own level of like uniqueness and interestingness. And honestly, if there was one thing like you were just saying, like, that is the probably the hardest thing to do in music. Like if you wanted to be like, what's the hardest thing to do? It's not even to be able to solo over this or do this or do whatever. It's like, Mm -hmm. try writing a super, super catchy popular song. That's also unique. That fills out all these Mm -hmm. check boxes, but also adds this much more without being too extra that people can't handle it. Like that is borderline (laughs) impossible. Like there's a super micro percentage of artists that can actually accomplish that Mm -hmm. extremely well. Yeah, and and even talking about artists like and, and it, the Billie Eilish one's interesting because she's one of the very rare examples where there are almost no outside artists except for Phineas, who's also producing. But like that is such a small circle that they create a lot of music in, as opposed to like yeah, if you look at an amazing Beyonce album or something, you'll see crazy amounts of songwriters, like so many producers, so many songwriters, so many cooks in the kitchen, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But yeah, like there's so many things to consider even with that, or even with artists that like aren't the ones creating the music that they write, which I would say is most of pop music at least has like significant other people doing a lot of the heavy lifting as far as writing goes, at least, or as far as, you know, like structurally writing, maybe not like lyrics and, you know, like I'm sure Ariana Grande writes like melodic runs, like nobody's telling her what to sing, but like at the same time, like she is not crafting all the songs from the bottom up, nor should she really have to be. I mean, like the whole point of like creating a product that is, like we said, this super challenging thing of like how perfect everything needs to be, how of the time it needs to be. But then even like you were saying, like enough personal identity that can push things ahead where it needs to like, yeah, it also needs to work for the artist's brand, right? Like it needs to make sense to their brand identity. Like if you heard a Rihanna song and you were like, oh, this could be a Taylor Swift song. It's like, okay, then it's not really a good Rihanna song or a good Taylor Swift song because their brands are so different from each other. The idea that there really shouldn't be a song that does equally well of both of them because that song would be pretty not great for either of them. Um, yeah, and I think with pop music in particularly, like the way the music is written, it's written around the performer. Like like the, even the, the idea of like, like you take just a pop music on its own, just like boiled down to music, like that doesn't do anything. You need charisma. You need an artist. People at large, especially non-musicians, like 
like they care more about like the cult of personality around a person, like the story of it. Like, you know, it's not just like, Hey, song exists and song was good. Like there's a narrative to, you know, that person and knowing something about their lives or even just being aware of, of who it is. Um, like it's Billie Eilish, especially like a lot of the conversation around Billie Eilish is not necessarily just like talking about her songs. It's like, she's kind of an industry disruptor or it, depending on who you talk to an industry plant um, and is doing this thing very differently. And like, that is part of the conversation is her doing something differently than what's going on. Or even like, I think, have you been listening to the silk Sonic stuff? Not much. Oh, uh, Dude, you should. It's so good. So it's uh, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack collaborating. And clearly, it was, and again, like we were talking about, like specific to the artist, the way that like at a time when it was like not e- exactly the move, Bruno Mars was doing like very throwbacky stuff, like 24 Karat Magic. It was not like, hey, here's what the radio sounds like right now. It's like, hey, I want to pay homage to all these styles that have passed and sort of repopularize some of these things, especially like moving out of like the 80s trend that we've been into for a while, which is great. Like, I'm glad that like chorus on guitar got cool again, like and big reverb is cool again. Like, I'm fine with all that stuff. But like, of course, it's going to keep moving in time. Things are going to keep shifting. So like, yeah, you need like artists at the forefront who are going to push the limits a little bit because I agree like the most of what you're going to see is people chasing what is happening right now and those songs will do well and they will disappear and we probably won't know them in 10 years the stuff that we will know like you said is the stuff that is a little bit more innovative and is a little bit more specific so I think one of the going back to the Brick Beato conversations I think one of like the most difficult things to say about like comparing music today with like music of the 70s is like unless you like have a really active memory of being in the 70s which obviously many of us weren't even born yet like I don't think you have a really realistic memory of like something that happened 40 50 years ago but like what we think of if 70s music is like in the pantheon of everything that came out what are the 200 ish songs that were so good and so well loved that they that they are still listened to today and it's like okay it's probably safe to say that those 200 songs are among the best that happened in that time period or at least commercially that happened there and that like they're beloved because people still wanted to listen to them over and over and over so to say like you know whatever trend of the week song on the radio is of an artist you're never going to hear again is like okay you're not really making an apples and to apples comparison like i don't think it's fair to say like look at that type of music and look to the music of today because yeah we don't really know 20 years from now what is going to have stuck around like what is going to be classic radio uh what or whatever streaming looks like then to be like i because honestly i don't think I'm, I'm, we're going to hear a ton of Drake songs 20, 30 years from now, but I totally think we're going to hear Billie Eilish songs because, like you said, like I think the difference is that like Drake is very much like, hey, this is what's happening now and this is what that sounds like versus Billie Eilish being like, hey, this isn't what's happening now, so so when I do this thing, it's going to have tons of imitators. Like I think that's way more telling to like where they are in the industry as far as as far as disruptor versus, you know, like following trends which is kind of the the balance we were talking about being so tricky so i like the idea of something like silk sonic which anderson pack bruno mars they're clearly making the music they want to make but it is so commercially viable and it sounds so good and it is produced and written to like the nth degree like it, it accomplishes everything that we're saying can ruin a song or i was even a uh, bruno mars specific like the, the example of bruno mars i gave was a two chord song and if you listen to some of the stuff like skate or um uh leave the door open it's like there is everything from the 70s you would find there's modulation there's r&b there's extra percussions it's almost entirely naturalistic uh performances the vocal tuning is subtle enough that you don't perceive it as vocal tuning like all of the things that like are not the norm right now they do it, but because they do it so well and it's so ingrained in the consciousness of the song, it doesn't feel weird or uncanny. It feels like inevitable and like, oh, this is exactly what this song should be because even the sonic texture plays into what these songs are about or how they're written. So yeah, the idea of of that, you can have all of it together, but like that is that is the highest of highs because just having a song chart and be commercially relevant, even if it doesn't stick around for a million years, is still incredible, right? It still takes so much chance and energy and all these things lining up perfectly. So the idea of doing that, but then having an amazing song that is going to stand the test of time is like, okay, that's what we're talking about. Like the best music there can be, that's what it is because it's it's living the longest life 
for the most amount of people because it accomplishes the thing it sets to do the most successfully. Like that is the pinnacle. Um, and I'm tired of pretending that it isn't the idea. It's like, oh, well, it's just pop music. It's like, yeah, it's just pop music, meaning it has to work for everyone. <laughs> like meaning that it can't only work for some people or only for guitar nerds. Like it has to work for everybody, musicians, non-musicians, engineers, people who don't give a shit about engineering and have never actively thought about a mix before. It can't take them out of it, even if they can't conceptualize, oh yeah, the mix sucks. That's why I don't like it. They're just going to not like it. Yeah, dude. That is very well said. And also, it, I think it's interesting when you mentioned about uh, Billie Eilish, how like, she only, it's basically just her and Phineas, is also something that's super awesome and cool about modern music is that the barrier to getting into, I mean, that's not to say that it's easy by any means. In fact, it's probably harder <laughs> because the, because anyone can do it. It's like, okay, now your competition is literally anyone who wants to write music. I mean, of course, you know, yeah. there's different <laughs> levels of expertise and, you know, a, mm. most of it just won't get listened to. But I think that that's a really interesting thing, how it doesn't actually require the entire gigantic team of people to, you know, it, it's, and of course, it is a very rare instance in which, you know, you can accomplish that without all that stuff. But I think it's cool that that can even mm -hmm. happen in general. And it's, it just opens the door to like, hey, if you actually, if you genuinely are very, very good at the thing and you can actually do that, then you have a chance, you know, it's like you, you, mm -hmm. I mean, that's a slim chance, but you still have one. <laughs> yeah, um, next to and, and I do think it is worth mentioning, even there where like, she and Phineas are writing and producing most of it together. Like she still has like all of like, she absolutely has multiple publicists and like agents who control everything. And and also they're not the ones mixing and mastering that stuff. Like, especially when you think about how, and, and I know, I, I know I'm saying it over again, but like, I do feel like I need to defend it with, with Billie Eilish in terms of being a disruptor. Like even on a technical level, like if you really look at those songs on even just the basis of, you know, loudness or even just like like the thing that is very obvious, which is like the the hyper dynamics dynamics of it and the really like really quietly performed vocal being really prominent in the mix. Just even looking at those songs on a technical level in terms of like how much low end content versus high content and you compare it to what's going on in the charts, like it is not following those normal procedures of the other stuff. So even the idea of like making that stuff w still work commercially when it is like actively not trying to do the same things as anything else um, and is like the yeah the two things that are like the least like popular of the time which is like having really extreme dynamics sometimes and having not a ton of high end and having like a huge reliance on sub frequencies like there's some Billy Eilish songs if you listen to them on your phone you can't tell what the key is because there's so much sub information that is crucial to this way these songs sound uh, which is just like kind of a dangerous thing to do to have like kind of empty ish stuff in the low mids as far as harmonic content anyway all of that to say like still needed like the highest levels like there still needed to be an overture and a gesture of like okay even with this how do we remove bound possible boundaries for this which is like we are getting the best mix money can buy and we are getting the best mastering money can buy because that is just an assurance to us. And in this case, we're talking about like the record label of like, we made an investment and we want a return on that investment. So we are going to pay money to make sure that things do not happen that can negatively affect our product. So even just thinking about it on a, on like a investment basis in terms of like money spent and return on investment, like there's a reason this music isn't typically super explorative because if you think about like even just record labels as like investment things like if you look at the stock market it's not going to be like hey there's this company that's super untested that might do well and might do horrible are you going to spend as much money on that as like here's a company that's you know made two percent of like accruing interest like grown their business over 10 years that is a sure bet you're gonna take the sure bet every time because you want to make money back. Like, I think that's the thing about pop music too, is like, it's so competitive and it's so driven by the money. Like the idea of like, oh man, why aren't they like just getting artists who are doing like weird and different things? If they would just show us these artists, we would like them. It's like, you think that you do. And maybe you, the individual like them. But the true thing is, and like, there's a reason pop music sounds the way, like you could totally prove this in like a, um, in like a testing situation to be like, hey, here's a song that sounds like every other song you've ever heard. Cool. And here's a song that sounds wildly different. Like, the the people who like that wildly different one more might like it way more than they liked the really mediocre one. 
but you'll probably have a lot more people who are actively disinterested in it than, you know, a middle of the road pop song that does everything like we expect it to. Like it's a business decision and there's a reason why pop music isn't especially interesting or groundbreaking or it's there's a reason why it's extra impressive when it can also be that because that is not the goal of it. Like pop music can be art, but like it is art second to being a product and a product that has expectations of what it needs to accomplish. So the idea of like record labels meddling, they're always going to meddle because they want to exert control. They just don't actually know how to do it. The same way that like giant film studios will make giant blockbusters that cost $150 million and make $20 million because they do not know exactly what consumers want or what is going to work. They just do that enough at a level that the one that does go gangbusters and make 10 times what they invested in will pay for all of the other ones that didn't make it. So record labels are the exact same way. There's so many record labels with artists who are failing just because they don't know what it's going to hit. So when something does, it pays for all the stuff that didn't work out. They just need to try it enough times. They need to like pull the, the lever enough times that when it does eventually line up, that takes care of the majority of failures because they don't actually know what people want. They're just trying everything. And eventually, if you put enough money behind it, something will go off that you get way more money back and they're just going to just put as many options out there. It's just they're just investing a portfolio. They're diversifying their investment. Like, like it is that it is that boring and that simple. It's like, yeah, they're a business. They're trying to make money. And, and like there's no perfect formula for what song is going to do the best or make the most money. You could easily look at that Billie Eilish album before you had any idea who Billie Eilish was and say, like, hey, will this record really change the market and will people get excited about this? You could easily be like, no way. Absolutely not. Like there's nothing about this that people are going to enjoy. Like you could point out 20 things that are not similar between that and stuff that was coming out at that time, like 2017, 2018, whatever, and say like, this fundamentally does not work. This is not accomplishing what a pop song needs to accomplish. And, and you could totally be right. That record might've like tanked and they might've spent a million dollars promoting it and just nobody wanted to listen to it. And they just had to take a chance. And Hey, they went now one of the biggest artists of our generation because this thing that maybe couldn't shouldn't have worked totally did and it like was the zeitgeist in the moment like kind of changed the trajectory of like what we consider pop music right now and that's kind of just by chance because record labels really don't know what works yeah dude and all that to say i feel like uh we're, we're talking so much about pop music and you know what makes it interesting how much harder it is to make it interesting to even break out of that we're because doomed. there's <laughs> because there's so much of that market thing that needs to needs it to be you know a certain thing um and all that to say um what i would say as an antithesis to we're doomed uh when it comes to pop music is like i don't think even though if you look at you know a majority of pop music maybe it's not the most interesting but the minority of stuff that will be remembered I think is just as interesting as the popular stuff like from any era of music. And I think that is something why I think that's why <laughs> those kind of were doomed things bother me so much. Cause I'm like, dude, that's mm. so just narrow minded towards like some of the greatest stuff that will be the greatest stuff. Cause like, dude, so many artists, I mean like even some of the best classical music that's like still played today, like didn't get popular until after they died. It's like, they uh -huh. died and then it became the world's most renowned symphony after their death. And they'll, the person will never know that their symphony is like the most popular thing ever. But like, I feel mm -hmm. like just looking at it from a perspective of like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, I think that music always evolves and it's always progressing. And like, you know, even if certain specific songs don't seem like they're progressing in a direction that is like as interesting as maybe something that, you know, came out in a different era. I just think that, modern music gets way too much flack like way too much i'm like because yeah, that's mm. coming from someone i don't even really listen to that much pop music like you said earlier i'm like it's not really for me particularly although i can really mm -hmm. enjoy like a good pop song when i hear it like i mean i know you and me geeked out over positions by Ariana grande all the time we were like <laughs> like we love that album <laughs> um, oh dude it's so good yeah <laughs> yeah it's an amazing album i love that album um but, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know, when I, you see people, I don't know, look down on it, especially, I don't know, maybe it's just my bias, too, because, like, I you know, coming from the musician community, it's just way more prevalent that people just bust on that stuff all the time where it's mm -hmm. like, this oh, stuff yeah. sucks. Easy it doesn't target. have, where's those uh, altered chords, bro? It's like, dude, <laughs> shut mm. up. I hate that so <laughs> much. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, 
Yeah, and if I could make like a closing statement on my thoughts on it, because because I I think I could come off a little bitter about it in terms of like commercial music uh, being like you know it it's it's accomplishing its own thing. So for us to be like I'm an artist making art, it's easy to be like oh yeah that's not art. Like what there's still so much craft there, even if the goal is slightly different than true artistic expression, which I would say is almost none of the pop music that exists in any period of time. Like you could say that for I, I think almost anything. But like one of the good things about it being like a market is like the idea that like markets will shift and that the idea like if something gets stale there will always be innovation to push it forward like the idea of it's like okay it's not going to be 10 years from now and pop music is going to sound the same so if you hate where pop music is at right now think about pop music in the 90s does it sound like pop music today at all like not even remotely like on every single level from like tuning quantization you know what instruments what are the progressions what are all this stuff like on a fundamental level, they have almost nothing to do with each other outside of the things that we said, the the general idea of, of structure and like what it accomplishes for the listener and being efficient and being melodic and catchy, like on a formative basis, that is never going to change. The same way that like there will always be three act structure movies for the rest of time. It just will happen. There's no don't break it if it's not don't don't fix it if it's not broken. Um well so basically the basically yeah if you hate where pop music is at, it's going to change. And maybe it'll get even worse. Like like the hyper pop thing, not for me, <laughs> I'll be honest. The hyper pop thing, I'm like, oh man, this is I think this is a lot. Like as far as overstimulating in a very different way than like a dirty loop song can be overstimulating in a really exciting way at least for like a musician that's like kind of thrilling to hear that level the way hyperpop like just gives me anxiety when i listen to it it's just like so much but but all that to say like because it is a market there's always competition so if, if there's something that's getting really flat or really boring or an artist who's really played out there's always a thousand people waiting to supplant them like like there is never um, and, and, and I don't want to sound like I'm defending capitalism because I hate capitalism, but like there's always somebody waiting in the wings to immediately replace whoever's not doing the best thing. And, and we might not all agree on like the best direction because I think it'd be very easy to be like, hey, future is popular and I don't get that at all. <laughs> like, like that makes zero sense to me because this does absolutely nothing for me. But the idea that like, yeah, like there is always so much competition going on there that there's so much stuff just waiting to burst out if it just gets the tiniest opportunity. Because like we said, it's just a bunch of things lining up together. So there will be outliers over and over, like even thinking back a couple of years, like, and again, not a band I'm particularly that interested in. Um, 21 pilots it's like okay that's different like it's not so different like I, I can tell why this is popular or sharing some fans same thing with like the 1975 like in that like oh th there's cool stuff going on here I'm surprised it's as popular as it is because it is not th that fundamentally similar as like what pop singles on the radio sound like like it's definitely pulling from different areas so I think there's always gonna be outliers and the thing we didn't even touch on which I think is like the my biggest pet peeve with this type of conversation where usually modern music as a whole gets lumped together which i think is absolutely absurd because like you were saying with the access and everything i think there's never been as diverse genres of music coming out as right now with the idea that like there are totally genres and this is very technologically related there are genres that exist that didn't exist five years ago and couldn't exist 20 years ago like like there is so much new weird and music coming out so like if you're saying any new music isn't good it's like you clearly just are uh, bad at consuming music because there's so much to absorb but to say that like pop music is terrible or like they oh they don't do it like they did back in my day people were saying that about doo-wop in the 50s like for real they were like this is like I can't believe the kids like it it's so dumb it's so loud it's so like thoughtless it's so yeah like I don't this isn't like the music I liked like there will always be that and to our earlier recollection I, I do think it's always like the tribalism is of if you stop actively engaging with the music that is going on like the music culture of the time if you stop that when you're in your like early 20s everything that happens after that that you're not as invested in you're always going to think that stuff from that formative period in life is better if you're not actively involved or interested in what's going on anymore which is fine but don't confuse that of like hey i'm not in right now like the stuff i like isn't in i'm not super hip and aware don't confuse that with like it's all worse like no it's different and you're not keeping up with it and you don't have to that's fine but like don't confuse those two things because you not getting something or not getting what other people get out of it doesn't mean that you're right. It just means that you 
have a narrow enough view that you either don't understand what it's doing well or that it, you are not the target audience and therefore feel free to ignore it. So I think, yeah, the the sort of transition between those two, because I would have put myself in the earlier camp to be like, I don't get pop music. It's not for me. It's whatever. And now I'm like, oh, this isn't for me, but I see what it's doing and I understand why people love this thing. And that's helpful for me as, you know, a musician, a producer, because, you know, I want to make music that, that connects with people. So the idea of like the hard line, like uh, true creativity, like being like, I don't care about the listener. I'm not going to cater to them. It's like, OK, then you're going to make music that maybe doesn't connect with people. So if you at least understand why this music connects with people, you can glean at least the useful information about like what about this works and why does why do so many people like it, even if it's not something that you individually find value in. Yeah, dude. And. I think one thing that I've been telling myself or at least, you know, trying to tell myself is that, uh, or I guess set myself up for a future where I'm always open to the newer things that are happening. Cause uh, part of me is like, Oh, it's inevitable that like, as we get older, <laughs> we're just going to be unaccepting of new ideas and things. And like, we kind of get stuck mm-hmm. in our, the ways of the way we grew up and every young person thinks that they're going to be like that person. That's like, yeah, we're <laughs> going to be the person that's like totally open to everything and like blah, blah, blah. But it's like, chances are probably not, but I'm really just mm-hmm. hoping for myself that like when I'm in my sixties that like, I'm like, not just like, this music is garbage and blah 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 and everything the culture is <laughs> my dad's snarky puppy <laughs> the culture is falling apart like it's all terrible like like i really hope I, that I'm, I have an open mind when it comes i mean because i have a relatively open mind in general so i'm just hoping that like that carries on through my years because i definitely it's really easy to kind of say some of the stuff as a younger person but then you know the older you get it probably gets a little bit harder so I hope that we'll look back on this conversation and it'll be a good reminder for us that, hey, keep an open mind and not all new stuff means it's bad. Um, Quite the opposite, actually. It's probably innovative and cool. So if you look hard enough or, you know, try hard enough to find those things. So, yeah.